You're listening to the Happier at Work podcast, and I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. Through a combination of solo episodes and interviews with some incredible guests, we bring you the insights and practical tips to create happier working environments for you and your teams. People in general, in my experience, they don't tend to self-recognize what they have achieved, nor the significance mm. of what they've uh, delivered or what the outcomes have been. It's your role as a leader to really just say, hey, in a gentle way, we're just, we're just gonna pause here because I, mm. I want to really highlight something. Holding up, holding up a mirror and asking it an open question like, would you have 12 months ago thought that you would be able to achieve this? You know, that really makes people just go, actually, you know, I have come a long way. Because again, in the public service setting, we're thinking about the here and now, and the people that I coach and lead, they're, they're sitting not thinking, how far have I come? How far have I grown? So actually just finding the right space to actually hold that mirror up is, is a really powerful thing. And then, you know, that then allows you to able to look at, right, what are the skills that you used to get there? And then that can further demonstrate, right, so I've actually increased my ability with these skills. And then that really, that's the light bulb moment that makes people go, yeah, I've grown. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider sharing it with a friend or a colleague and leaving a rating or review on your favorite platform. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm so thrilled that you decided to tune in today. Thank you for being here. My guest today is Dan Daly. Dan is a long-term listener and supporter of the show and really wanted to have a conversation with him because he emails me regularly letting me know about how he is implementing what I'm talking about on the podcast. So big supporter of the show and I really wanted to get his views on how to implement or what are the challenges faced. Dan is a team leader based in New Zealand and he has been doing that for more than 20 years. So this episode is for you if you are an aspiring manager, if you are starting out as a manager or if you're a seasoned manager but you just need a refresh, a rethink of some of the frameworks that you can apply to be a better leader. We have a brilliant discussion all about the challenges, the implementation, and Dan shares some really powerful insights about how he approaches his work. As always, I'll be doing a summary at the end, a synopsis of the key points, the key takeaways from today's episode. I'd love for you to join in the conversation. You'll find all of my links on the website happieratwork.ie. Dan, you're so welcome to the Happier at Work podcast. I know that you are a long time listener, but you're so welcome. I'm, I'm so thrilled to have this conversation with you today. I don't recall exactly how we first connected, but I know that we connected on LinkedIn and I suppose you captured my attention because you're always commenting and supporting on the posts I put out there, especially in relation to the podcast. And I know subsequently then we were connecting via email, which I always love to get emails from people who listen to the podcast. So I really, really appreciated that support and letting me know, you know, feedback and suggestions and all sorts of stuff. So really, really appreciate it. And for that reason, I'm so thrilled to have you on the podcast today. Do you want to introduce yourself and let people know a little bit about your background, what you do and how you got to where you are? Yeah, thanks, Aoife, and thanks for having me on. It's a real pleasure to be here. Um, so I'm currently 
well, we're, we're dialing in from New Zealand first and foremost, so the other side of the world. <laughs> yeah. So um, night time for me, morning time for you. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and summer for us, and not such warm weather for you. But anyway, just to introduce myself, so I'm a um, I'm at a team leader level, so leading frontline teams. I've been in that capacity for around about twenty years now. I have dabbled in various industry sectors, moved from different industries. Uh, my my focus and my attention has always been on people leadership, and I managed to carve carve a niche out for myself back twenty years ago when having that as a as a sole discipline was not necessarily what businesses were looking for. It certainly is growing now. Back when I started, it was, yes, you can be a people leader, but you also have to have skills in X, Y, Z if you want to work here. Uh, so yeah. to contribute to the organization's goals. So I've stayed fast to really just focusing on people leadership. Um, mm. And I've seen that shift change. I'm fortunate that the the, the places that I've worked in, in recent years have brought me on board because I do focus on the people leadership side. I've worked in the public sector, um, private sector, and for the last 15 years, I've, I've focused on local government roles. So working for outcomes for the communities uh, in which I live and which I work. Uh, so currently working for a regional council in public transport space, leading a team of subject matter experts and contributing to uh, community and public transport across the, the Canterbury region based here in Christchurch. So that's that's a very brief intro to, to my background. But I love that. And it's really interesting. And, and I'd love to explore in a little bit more detail, if we can, this idea of exclusive people leadership, because what I'm seeing more and more as the challenges that a lot of managers have is that they're trying to do the day job and manage people at the same time, which is really hard. And in fact, I, I was speaking with a team. Um, it was last year, actually, already, uh, I think. And the real struggle there was knowing how much time should I be spending on my day job versus managing people. And it's like saying how long is a piece of string? Like there really is no correct answer. You could have really intense projects personally that you're trying to work on, but then also some real challenges with the team that you need to manage and the admin that goes with that as well. So I'd, I would love, first of all, to get your perspective on exclusive people manager roles. And are you seeing that growing in number because I think it's really important to have those skills and it's really important to have those roles in organizations yeah uh, a good good question that's you know a perfect scene set I mean that is exactly what my experience is how much time should we be dedicating to people management uh, leading people versus what the organization wants that there is no magic number you're absolutely right I think organizations are getting wise to that and it is Again, coming back to my role, um, I came into this role that I'm currently in and I sold myself, this is who I am, I'm exclusively a, a people leader. Yes, I can add value to the business in other ways, um, but that was actually the hook which got me into where I'm working right now. That's what they were looking for and they were explicit about, about that. So we recognise this is a skill that we need and that businesses yeah. need and we're leaning in that direction. So I do see the trend going upwards in that regard, and I see it in yeah. job ads that come out. It's it's talking more and more about, yeah, there's some value there, and we want to capture that. Yeah, 
I think someone who manages a team has a unique set of skills. I, I'm sounding a little bit like um, Liam Neeson now, <laughs> a special set of skills that, <laughs> you know, that you can use. But really, I, do, I, I mean that genuinely that, you know, being able to bring out the best in people and being able to develop people and being able to create an environment where subject matter experts, as you mentioned, that you manage can really, really thrive. And it's really great to see if there's an increase in, in numbers in that area. But also what I'm seeing as well is an increase in numbers in subject matter experts. So like the manager track is not the only way to progress in an organization that you can progress in multiple different ways. But if people progress in multiple ways, you still need to have people to manage those people and to, yeah. to create that environment where they can can actually really thrive. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a conversation that I'm having more and more. I mean, those one-on-ones, those coaching conversations I have, they're a constant, always having those. And when we talk about career development, people, in my experience, they automatically go to an assumption that you're thinking about, okay, how do I get to the next rung up on the hierarchical ladder, so to speak? Yeah. But it is much more than that. Uh, You can diversify and career growth and progression isn't just vertical it's uh it's it's across the organization it can be around uh really what's uh what do you want to get out of your role and going back to your your previous guest episode with with zach uh what is the significance that you want to bring to your role and what's what do you want to get out of what's going to make this uh the place that you want to be where you can go home and say yes i made a difference and if that is, yeah. you know, you going up the hierarchy in the organization, then that's great. But if that is sharing your skills with your colleagues, if that is getting involved in other projects, um, if it is being seconded to go and support another part of the business, then that is equally rewarding as well. It's individual for everybody. Yeah. And I, I know certainly in my last corporate role, there was a huge push on those lateral moves and understanding more about the business. And if you think about it from the perspective that you want to rise through the ranks of the organization, you need to know the inner workings of the different departments anyway. You can't just exclusively have experience within the commercial team. You have to understand the operations. You have to understand the different departments and how they actually operate before you can make those progressions. Another thing that I notice, and this again is global teams, but there is a huge emphasis on going to other countries, especially Asian countries and learning there and being immersed in a different culture, learning a new culture, progressing through the ranks there, having that experience and then bringing that experience back to Europe or the US or where wherever it may be. Um, but it's really interesting because I think a lot of people do get hung up on this idea that in order to progress my career, I have to move up the ladder. But for me, it's it's it it boils down to really understanding what your strengths are, what you bring to the table, the impact that you want to have through the work that you do and kind of doubling down on that and really going all in, like really understanding what your strengths are, what lights you up. How can you have an impact on those people around you, those people who are your colleagues, your friends, your community? the clients that you deal with, the the world at large, however you want to define that. But 
really thinking about well what is that impact and I think sometimes we get lost in that in the day-to-day of the job that we're doing it's kind of we lose that sense of what you know putting your head up and thinking what is it that I'm trying to achieve here what is it that I want to to get done so thank you so much for bringing up that really valid point of it's not just about progressing it's about thinking like where where are the lateral moves I could make how can I apply the skills I already have but in a different setting for example and I think I would add to that as well Aoife that um, you know I can remember a really strong feeling early in my career where my sense was the only way to grow your career is to go up the organization chart whereas I I now firmly that's not the case and so it's actually I would say to people who are thinking about what direction do they want to go that there is that there are uh, far more options there than just going up the organization chart to to explore that and I think I'd love to kind of come back to this idea of career development as well and having those conversations because what I see is people oftentimes and I've been guilty of this myself as well that you're expecting their manager or the organization or a senior leader to recognize the contribution that you're making and almost give you an opportunity that you haven't told anyone about. And there's this kind of unrealistic expectation that an opportunity is just going to land in our lap. Do you want to kind of talk to me about how you handle those career type of conversations with your team? Yeah, absolutely. So I think First and foremost, the the thing that works the most is having those one-on-ones and doing that consistently so that Mm. when you have, when you have to have a conversation like that, that is potentially challenging, that it is not at performance review time, uh, it is not in a a standalone meeting, uh, the conversations are happening regularly so you have trust build up, you understand how each other think, so that kind of conversation can happen more organically and in the moment. Um, so that's 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 my first thought. Um, and also, again, everybody is individually different, have different strengths, weaknesses, yeah. uh, motivations, values. And again, in those one-on-ones, for me, it's all about understanding the person as a whole. And I guess what I've been able to finesse through the coaching conversation I have is that here's a package or an expectation from the organization. This is how you have your coaching conversations. But as a leader, as a coach, you can really, you're inside a box, but what colors you color inside the box with is kind of up to you. Um, you I know, love that it, analogy. <laughs> yeah, you know, again, not going completely off piste with, uh, you know, multicolors, but you've got a few different colors. So you can, I would say to really leaders at my level, there is an awful lot you can do within those coaching conversations, even though uh, it may seem and feel like you don't have a lot of options. Um, And and what I mean by that is you are the person who can find space and opportunity, again, within context, within your team for an individual who wants to develop in a certain way. You know, you can you can control that. You have influence over that, and you have probably mm-hmm. more influence over that than what you think. Particularly if you're a newer first level leader um, into a leadership role for a, as a first time unit. You know, I would say find out find out the limit of your influence. Build up your networks within the organisation. Connect with your peers at team leader or, or, or leadership level. Build up relationships, and you can have those conversations, and you can create 
bespoke opportunities for people to go across into another team to, to work for a period of time, you can, you can make that happen. So even though it can feel quite restrictive and constrictive, the confines that you have to work in, when you think about it in a different way and you do play around with it, you have got more influence than what you think. And then that then translates to, okay, team member, it might not feel like you can go very far, but what we've been able to do, what I've been able to do is create this opportunity and this is something I've done just for you. And that's really quite powerful. So, um, and you're certainly going to be able to expose them to more skills than what they would have had you stayed mm. within the box and not chosen to colour it in a different way. I mean, there's there's a few things I'd love to pick up. Well, there's loads. I mean, typical me style, there's so many things <laughs> I'd love to unpack there. Um, and I suppose my first question is uh, in relation to the people that you manage, like, do you find that they are proactively taking responsibility for their career and coming to you with opportunities as opposed to kind of waiting for you to present opportunities to them? So my, my headline banner answer to that is that um, everybody within my team are absolutely open to those opportunities and they, yeah. they, they want to be better versions of themselves, they want to develop their skills, uh, there is nobody yeah. who is disinterested in that. The challenge for me and the challenge for the people in my team comes back to I think what you headlined at the top of this podcast which is that where do we get the time to do that? How do we carve that time out with um, the, the organisation is wanting output, outcomes, deliverables, pieces of work to be completed. The world is a more complex, busy place post-pandemic and demands on businesses in general, so not just my organisation, are far more demanding. And, and the, the net effect of that is we, we push our teams to deliver more and to get higher outcomes. And that comes at a cost. So it's really, yes, people are wanting to develop themselves, but there is always a risk that you're going to lose sight of that and that team members will lose sight of that because they have so much work to do. Yeah, yeah. As in, you know, they're caught up in the day to day and they don't necessarily have that headspace. They don't have that time. And I've certainly been in that position multiple times in my career where you're so busy doing that it's not even that you're not thinking about developing, it's that you literally don't even have the time in your week to even focus on it, to allocate that yeah. time. So I know it is, it's a real struggle for people. Um, I'd love to come back to this idea of skills as well that you mentioned. And mm. the reason I ask is because I left my corporate role five and a half years ago and I have discovered through running my own business so many skills that I never knew that I had and so many compliments from people on doing the podcast. Um, I don't know, is it because I come from a place of curiosity, but people really like the approach that I have in the conversations that I have. I don't know, is it from my coach training? I don't know, is it from an entire career of analyzing data, pulling out the key points and turning it into a summary, you know, or is it something that I just am naturally born with, but I never knew I had this skill until I tried it and people started saying to me and I'm kind of like, that's nothing. So I think oftentimes when we have strengths, we don't realize that there are strengths because 
it's come so easily and naturally to us whereas for someone else it might be a real struggle to do the to kind of replicate that any any thoughts around skills understanding skills and how to find out about what skills you have yeah so i'm going to dovetail that question with uh, just picking up on a, on a thread from the last question the team that i work with we work in local government um, we are all about public service so they're humble people they are all about giving rather than thinking about what can I get out of this. So actually going back to making making space for people within my team to say, hey, this is an opportunity for you is is really important because they won't think about yeah. themselves. Um, okay. So that's that's a real insight that I've got to share from my observations then. And again, so getting to your, your current question, again, coming back to the, the one-on-ones, uh, again, my experience is that uh, maybe it's a New Zealand thing, but people in general, in my experience, they don't tend to self-recognize what they have achieved, nor the significance mm. of what they've uh, delivered or what the outcomes have been. And yeah. it's your role as a leader to really um, just say, hey, in a gentle way, we're just, we're just going to pause here because I, mm. I want to really highlight something holding up holding up a mirror and asking it an open question like would you have 12 months ago thought that you would be able to achieve this and yeah. you know that really makes people just go actually you know I have come a long way because again mm. in the public service setting we're thinking about the here and now and the people that I coach and lead they're they're certainly not thinking how far have I come how far have I grown so actually just finding the right space to actually hold that mirror up is is a really powerful thing and then you know that then allows you to able to look at right what are the skills that you used to get there and then that can further demonstrate right so i've actually increased my ability with these skills and then that really that's the light bulb moment that makes people go yeah i've grown and then that is the launch pad where we can say hey what's happening today what are you struggling with right what skills do we need to get there? And then replicating whatever they used for success from 12 months ago to today, uh, whether that's the way they've learned, the conversations they've had, um, uh, whatever it's been, and going, okay, let's apply that same model. And then in 12 months time, I'm gonna ask you the same question about the challenges you're having today. And did you think that you would get there? Um, and just, then being in it with them throughout the next 12 months and checking in, having conversations so that they know it's top of your mind. It also keeps it top of their mind. And you're, yeah. I think the thing I can't stress enough is when you're, uh, when you're trying to increase skills for people in your team, the onus is not on them, I believe. You're in it together. You succeed or you yeah. fail together. You really do. Yeah. No, I love that. And I kind of feel having listened to that and anyone who's listening today, I'm like, rewind it for two minutes, three minutes at, and listen to that section again, because for me, it was so powerful. And I'm trying to think of a particular man, like I've had some good managers over the years and I've had some terrible managers over the years, but I, I just love that as it's almost like a framework that you say okay let's hold up the mirror i love that kind of the idea that you're holding up the mirror did you ever think that you would achieve what you have achieved here and this old 
you know, the coaching tool of and what skills were required to get there. Like, I think it's so powerful for people to think about what skills are required in order to achieve what they've achieved. And it's, you know, excuse me, it ties in with the work that I do as well in relation to imposter syndrome. And you don't have to think about what you've achieved in a work context. It can be in a personal context. And sometimes people really struggle to even think about anything that they've achieved. But ask the people around you, like, what have what have I achieved? What what would you say are my big achievements? And then you can start thinking about, okay, so what what did it take to actually achieve what I've achieved? Yeah. Um, giving people that space to recognize that they've grown and then presenting new challenges and applying those same skills and we're in it together. I absolutely love all of that. It's just so powerful as a manager to be able to to do that, to hold that space for for your people essentially yeah yeah absolutely and and i also i had this very conversation with somebody yesterday in not just career development but also in performance um Mm. because i talked about if uh the question i asked my team member yesterday was if i need to give you corrective feedback how do you like to to receive that brilliant Um, yeah and and again i said to uh my team member if we're having that conversation it feels very much what have i not done there may be something yes. that you haven't done yeah but yeah. for me if i'm having that conversation with someone there is a part that i've played in that i've either yeah. underled or i haven't been clear about something you know i haven't given them the enough resources whatever it's whatever it is so it's yeah. again you're in it together um yeah. you know you you really uh, just that side by side kind of approach is what in the start of my leadership career, I probably didn't use it because I was using the yeah. uh, the prescriptive model. But as yeah. as you learn what your strengths are as a coach and you go through, you have these realizations that actually this this is a partnership. We we are side by side with this. Exactly. Yeah, and it it kind of reminds me of part of the conversation with Dan as well. The difference between that person is a poor performer versus we've created a a poor environment for them to thrive in. So I love that idea that you're taking personal responsibility and it is a case of what was my role in this? What could I have done differently? How could I have supported my team member better? Yeah, exactly. As opposed to, I think the standard is the blame game, isn't it? Oh, the boss is on my back again and the boss gets this bad rap. At the time of recording, the episode that's coming out tomorrow morning is all about bad bosses essentially and and how to kind of move on from that and the different types of bad bosses um but i think it's it's so important to recognize the the positive influences that bosses can have as well um i'd love to know dan some of the challenges so we kind of talked about some of the strengths that you bring to that role what are some of the challenges um i know we've we've talked about this over email as well either some of the challenges that you have specifically with your team or some of the challenges that you see generally with managers trying to implement the kind of stuff that I talk about on the podcast? Yeah, I think uh, at the top of that question for me is we recognise, I say we, uh, certainly in the organisation that I'm currently part of, conversations I have with people outside of my organisation, there is definitely more of a leaning towards understanding, you know, happier at work ethos so the the content yeah. that you bring yeah around employee engagement um safe spaces psychological safety leadership 
improvement style. Um, that is more and more recognised. I think if organisations aren't recognising the importance of those things, they're certainly the outlier. So the, the, the needle is shifting on that. The, the challenge again comes back to that is well and good. However, the organisation or an organisation has expectations around outputs. We're accountable. We have to provide deliverables. So let's do that first and then we can focus on getting really into the, into the weeds on improving cultures, career opportunities, uh, the employee experience. And I think the best organisations are the ones who are deliberate about it and, and actually have a call out to say, right, we're going to create space for this. Yes, this might create a bit of a bottleneck, but we're actually going to create space for this. And then coming back to what I think I've mentioned before is that as a, as a first line leader, first tier leader, you can actually take control of creating that space. Um, mm. Yes, you're still going to be able to, or you're still going to have to deliver things. You can't ever get away from that, but you've actually got more influence and control over creating space to make those kind of things happen, whether it's in a, a, a micro environment or just advocating for, look, we're going to take half a day. We're going to take a day getting your next level up manager to, to, to get in alignment with that really and, and yeah. advocating. That's the best thing that first tier leaders can do is to advocate. Um, and then that's, that kind of brings the, the circle uh, the whole way around, I guess, really. So that's a broad answer, Aoife. Hmm. I love it. And I think one of the one of the big challenges I see is exactly that. And I know that we've kind of touched on this before. You're having stuff coming. You're in, you're kind of crunched in the middle because you have stuff coming from above and you have stuff coming from below and you need to manage the messages. Yeah. Uh, for me, one of the big challenges is either changing priorities that are not communicated. So like this is a priority today. You work on it and then you find out that actually the priority has changed, but no one has communicated anything about the change in priority another big challenge that i see is just simply too much work and i mean do you see that happening and is is the challenge around people setting boundaries for themselves and knowing how to say no knowing how to manage the work doing work that's just good enough that it doesn't have to be perfect but knowing what good enough looks like what are those kind of on the ground challenges that you see when there's too much work happening yeah, and I think that there is too much work. I'm not talking about my organisation. I'm talking generally now. Um, yeah, yeah. So they're just they're simply organisations haven't hired enough people and they're just like, right. We, and, yeah. and I've seen that like almost at a deliberate level in an organisation that I worked in previously where it was a yeah. very deliberate decision not to replace someone who left the business yeah. and the rest of the team were left to pick up the slack and the morale just took a nosedive. Yeah, exactly. And I think it also comes down to prioritization as well. Yeah. So actually okay. prioritizing what's coming in and, yeah. and allocating resources against it yeah. correctly. And we're doing some work on this at the moment within our public transport team. Um, we've got a, a GM who is really across this and really advocating for this. That creates space for me to be a bit more autonomous with the conversations that I'm having, saying, hey, look, 
we are going to prioritize things or we, we, we are prioritizing this. So there is space that we can have a conversation to, to do some things differently. If that, if that wasn't happening at the higher level, I wouldn't feel as confident to have those conversations. But again, is it people that need, need to carve out, carve that space out for themselves and put some boundaries in place? That's easier for some people than others and easier in yeah. some cultures than others. And yeah. again, thinking 100%. about my yeah. team, they are all about public service. We're, we're wired up to yeah. say, yes, we will do that. Yes, of so, course. Yeah, yeah. Um, you say yes and figure out how to how to it, deliver later. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So for, for somebody in my team to say, hey, that's great, but I just want to focus on my professional development. I'm doing that for the next however long. Uh, that's not something you're going to hear. So as a, as, a, yeah. as a leader, you need to create the space for that to happen. And again, it's that advocacy yeah. and it's, um, yeah, it's about finding how you can pull those levers. Yeah, yeah. And when you talk about advocacy, is that basically, maybe it's a little bit more than this, but mentioning someone's name in a room where they are not. So you're basically saying, Tim is part of my team and actually he's doing a brilliant job in this very specific way. We kind of touched on that idea of specificity earlier, but we didn't elaborate on it. But I, I, I think it's so important when you give feedback to someone to be very specific about what it is that they bring and what, yeah. what their unique capabilities are. Is advocacy something a little bit beyond that? It's broad, Aoife, I think, in, in my view. So yes, it is what mm. you mentioned, definitely. And I think... Um, certainly the senior leaders which I work with today, uh, they want to recognise those things. And so it's kind of a skill to be able to slow them down and present mm. the work that the team have done in a, in a humanistic, uh, impactful way. Uh, okay. you know, because it is by the nature of their role, okay, what are we going to achieve? How are we going to achieve it? And by when and on budget? Uh, so, you know, part of my yeah. role is, okay. And once we've achieved that, let's move on to the next exactly, thing. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so for me, it's about, okay, bringing in the achievements of people to highlight that, you know, there, there are people at the centre of that. And it is always received well. So, so that's, that's good. Um, yeah. But advocacy is further than that. You know, it's an individual, but it's also advocating for your team. No one ever tells you that when you go for a, a team leader role. It's not on any job description that I've seen that you have mm, to, you know, yeah. part of your role as a good leader is to advocate for your team. So it is to say, mm. hey, we need to carve some space out uh, for X, Y and Z training. Here is what I think we're going to get out of it. Here is how it's going to make a difference. And let's let's do it. Let's make it happen. So advocacy mm. is it's a broad it's a broad concept, but it's something which is always at the forefront of my mind really yeah. Um, yeah. as something that you need to you need to do uh, but you need to you need to present it in the right way you need to pick the moments that you're going to do that how you're going to yeah. deliver it so be so it's a bit more it. strategic and it needs to be genuine from the heart and, and all the rest strategic yeah. is is the right phrase you know I can certainly think to early in my leadership career I would have advocated in a very passionate way and oh, you know come on why can't we do this whereas okay right uh, let's get some more skills around this so that my messaging is more effective. Um, so yeah. fortunately, I've been able to do that. 
Um, yes, brilliant. Not, You've not, recognized it. You've addressed it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not perfect. It's always going to be an evolution in progress. But, you know, yeah, yeah advocacy is really important at uh, a mm. team leader level. And you actually have more power in your advocacy than what you think. And I know I've said this mm. a couple of times already, especially if you're a new leader, you actually have more power in advocacy than what you than what you think and what you've realized. So play around with it would be would be my advice. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to expand on this idea of first time managers, because I know we've kind of gone back and forth over email on that in, in previous occasions. So and you're a huge advocate for first time managers and supporting people who are managing people for the first time. Do you want to talk to me about some of the challenges that you see? And I suppose I'm coming at it from the perspective that from what I see, there is not that much support. So it's tend, it tends to be sink or swim. Uh, we'll promote you to be manager and then we'll give you the training. So the training is not necessarily done up front. Um, this concept of the the first rung is broken or the broken rung on the ladder for women especially so women don't go for that first manager level and that means that there's there's fewer in the pipeline to go for the more senior positions which means there's fewer senior women leaders in positions which has all sorts of impact on the economy and the <laughs> I would probably go on a big rant about that whole thing but basically it's yeah what we're looking to do is get more women into those senior positions so would love to know in the context of that what are the challenges that you see when it comes to first-time managers i would say that if anybody finds themselves in the in the first-time manager role firstly believe in yourself you're not there by accident somebody has seen something in you that has made them think that you are going to be able to achieve this so it might feel like a big sink or swim moment i would say do recognize that it's going to be a, a steep learning curve. Um, there are plenty of days where I still feel like I haven't figured this out. Um, you know, so hang on. And um, it's it's a case of yes, you will get um, more kind of off the shelf package type leadership training. That's typically around um, leading your team from a health and safety perspective. Uh, yes, you might get um, training around how you have um, annual performance talks, for example. Uh, but in terms of how you actually learn your role and what your strengths are, it's that old analogy of you really learn to start to drive after you pass your driving test. And, um, you know, it really is true for, for leaders, uh, uh, for, you know, going into it for the first time. So I would say the temptation is to demonstrate to everybody and everything that you do. Here's my capability. I'm great at what I do, you know, have ambitions for that, but be selfish. It's not a word that I use a lot, but be selfish around your own personal learning and development. Make sure you're carving out a niche for yourself. Um, I book in some time each week, uh, unselfishly, uh, for myself to, to do that. Um, always have, always will. And recognize that your leadership learning, it's not going to be linear. Um, you are going to have peaks and troughs. Um, there are going to be times where there are things that you feel you have greater strength in, and that's great, but it's going to be times that you have, uh, where you do feel like, I need to develop this, I need to develop in this space. And because you are a leader, you feel that isolation, because you feel that responsibility, 
Um, so for me, the approach that I take when I have a, I feel out of my depth here, what am I gonna do is I just take a breath and I reframe it. And the word I use for myself is, okay, I'm curious about this. Let's get curious about this situation and curious around why I feel this way. And it just kind of provides a bit of grounding and shifts your perspective so that you can think about it in a more measured, analytical way and then frame up a next step. So those are kind of the uh, off-the-cuff, high-level initial thoughts that I've got to, to your question, Aoife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love that. And um, in my own experience, I was trained to be a leader, a manager before I was even promoted so in a in an organization where I wasn't a manager I learned all of the basics and I think it was the I'm trying to remember if the the term it was a certain type of leadership style a leadership framework I wasn't made a manager before I left that organization but then later in in kind of subsequent roles became a manager but I had all of that kind of training and experience but the best experience I think going back to what you alluded to was the on the job stuff is learning you know it's not about what you learn in the classroom or what you learn before you pass your driving test it's what you learn when you go out on the motorway and you have to drive really fast and um uh, i love this idea of taking time out to really understand what your skills and strengths are and the unique capabilities that you bring i think sometimes first-time managers can be really on the defensive like i'm brilliant at everything and here's what i'm contributing to uh, especially with their teams that they you know they feel maybe a little bit threatened that that they're in over their head imposter syndrome all of those things kind of going on um recognizing this sense of isolation and a great sense of responsibility to deliver on what you said that you would deliver on whether that is the organization's objectives or uh, delivering to your team you know managing the team and things i'm i'm not sure that that goes away as a leader, as you progress in an organization, I think you still feel that sense. And a lot of people do feel that sense of isolation of I'm the only one who feels like this and I have this great sense of responsibility or I'm the only one who doesn't know how to do X, Y, Z. But if we just got those things out there and talked about them, that more people would realize this is just part of the human condition. And not everyone is brilliant at everything and you can't be brilliant at everything. But what are your unique skills that you bring to this situation? What are your unique talents and strengths that you bring? Um, I love this idea of let's get curious about this situation. So uh, it's that curiosity mindset. And as you were talking about it, what it, what occurred to me when you were saying that brings a more measured and a more analytical approach to what it is that we're doing. To me, what sprung to mind is we get hijacked by our emotions. We feel threatened and we go into reactive mode and we're upset or we're on the defensive or whatever it might be. And if you get curious about what's going on for you in your body, in your head, whatever it might be, and that helps you again, I love the words that you use to stay measured and to stay analytical and bring that logic into it rather than being hijacked and and feeling like you're under threat. Um, so absolutely love that approach. Uh, from the conversation that we had today, is there anything else that you would like to to kind of share building on the, the theme that we had? Is there, are there any other insights that you would like to share today? Yeah, and I think, um, you know, just, just before we do answer that question, um, going back to what you mentioned about equality and women progressing through the, the ranks. Yes. I mean, yeah. that is such an important 
theme that we really need to pay attention to, and particularly as well, um, people of colour, people from ethnic minorities, uh, sexuality. It's uh, it's so important. It's I know the challenges for me as a as a white male middle aged leader. You know, it's challenging enough for me and for people who fight have extra challenges stereotypes build around them we really need to yeah. protect those people we really need protect is the wrong word we need to empower yeah. support and think about what part are we playing in that and that is a part yeah. that again as a first level leader you can look around your team who who do i need to pay attention to that would not feel comfortable in this space so i would say yeah you know, really focus on that in the game. What you do as a first level leader is really, really powerful and important because if you have a woman uh, or somebody who is of color who wants to go into a leadership position or progress their career, you're in a real make or break for people who have those challenges and those stereotypes built around them. So lean into that and get curious about that too. Um, but I would say to, to answer your question, um, again, coming back to being selfish about your, your own learning and development, find multiple ways to learn and take control of it. There is nobody who is going to be more invested in your own professional learning and development than you. Your organisation will be, but no, you are the person who's going to drive it and you are the person who is going to be most invested in it. So find multiple ways of learning, whether that's podcasts, reading, study, mentoring, connecting with networks there are so many ways out there so i'd say get curious about that too yeah no i love that because just earlier today i was thinking 2024 i want to bring more of the type of learning that i really enjoy it, you know things like actually studying and having to do assignments so that i can really embed the learning so i have loads of different areas that i would love to explore more and so for me as an individual that's me taking responsibility going into 2024 and then from the things that i'm already doing so i am an avid podcast listener i love listening to podcasts i love listening to audiobooks i love reading books i read around a book a week and um, it's not always the case i try to aim for 52 in a year but for me, it's a, it's it's kind of more the intentionality about that. I take notes as I read those books. I love to share my learnings from those books as well. But going again, going into 2024, it's the intentionality. How do I apply what it is that I'm learning? How do I take this and share those learnings with other people or bring the, bring those learnings into the work that I do with my clients? So I love that idea of taking personal responsibility for your learning, carving out that unselfish time for yourself to to make that a priority because thinking about it from a leader's perspective no one else is going to be looking at you and saying oh wow if it doesn't have enough time for learning and development this week i'm going to make sure she has that time no one is there no one has the time to do that for you so you need to make sure that you have that for yourself yeah. and certainly when i've worked in organizations before it has been a real challenge sometimes and I've had to push back to the organization and say, you've given me five days of client work. I can't possibly complete five days of client work in a five day week. Where's my time for meetings? Where's my time for admin? Where's my time for personal development? So in that situation, I really had to advocate for myself uh, to be able to to be able to do that. Dan, anything else to add before we wrap things up on the podcast today? I think I know you'll share some um, some links. So my LinkedIn 
<clears throat> excuse me, my LinkedIn connection details. If there's any first time leaders out there who want to connect or anybody wants to connect, I'm really happy to do that. I'd really love to do that. I'm really passionate about supporting people, particularly first time leaders. So please don't hesitate to reach out if you would like to. I'd be delighted to connect. The final thought that I want to really make sure that I say in today's uh, podcast is thank you for your work, Aoife. Um, I really appreciate what you do that you share so generously and you know I've personally learned a lot so it's really just to say um, thank you keep it up thank you I appreciate it I always love to hear great things because you know being on this side of the mic doing certainly when I'm doing the um, solo episodes I have to dig deep I really have to dig deep and, and it's really hard to talk on a one-way conversation you're just talking into a mic i find it so much easier to have a conversation i love the conversations that i have i love the people i'm able to connect with as a result of having those conversations um and for me it's it's something i thoroughly enjoy doing i've had feedback to say that i'm you know that it's it's good and it's having an impact and it just brings me so much joy when people tell me the impact that it's had because it can feel like a lonely game you're just putting literally putting something out there on the internet and to get that feedback to to say that people are actually listening to the words that you're saying it just means it really means the world to me and um, so really really appreciate that thank you dan the question that i ask everyone who comes on the podcast what does being happier at work mean to you well, I know you said to prepare for this question, <clears throat> but I deliberately haven't prepared for this question because I think it's a spontaneous one. And, and for me, it. it's really <laughs> winging it, winging it, winging it. And I think for me, it is a sense of belonging, first and foremost, uh, yeah. belonging that you are part of something that you know what you are, that the impact of what you're delivering and that yeah. you yeah. are part of a team of people who have equal input into that and um, you just have a a supportive environment where you're recognized for the achievements that you deliver on brilliant i love that Um, and we mentioned about your your linkedin connection before we'll put the the details below uh, to connect with you on linkedin as well and especially anyone who's listening who's a first-time manager feel free to reach out with dan and i know you know we've been we've been kind of back and forth on email about that as well so thank you so much for your time today i absolutely loved this conversation i think there's so many practical things that people can take away from the conversation today and you know i know you're a huge advocate for the implementation of what people are doing so thank you so much for sharing your tips so generously today Pleasure. Thank you, Eva. That was Dan Daly, and I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. It was so nice to have the opportunity to chat to someone who I know is a continued listener, a big supporter, and who I've had interactions with in the past. So really appreciate Dan's time, sharing all of his wisdom as well. Now, before I go on to summarise what I think are the key points from our conversation today, I wanted to remind you to get involved in the conversation and you'll find all of my links on happieratwork.ie. If I could summarise everything that we talked about today, it would be how to be a better leader and recognition that it's a journey. It's a learning experience and open to the fact that we can still make mistakes as leaders as well. Now, what I kind of wanted to do in terms of summarising what we talked about is almost have like a checkbox of here are the things that make a really great leader. 
And the first thing is coaching conversations. So that's moving on from the kind of telling what to do and more asking questions and probing and helping people to figure out what it is that they need to do themselves. And I know certainly having been on the receiving end of coaching conversations in a corporate environment, it made such a difference to me. It made me feel so empowered. It made me feel that I was able to solve my own problem, but also that my boss was able to support me in solving my problems. So she's still to this day, one of the best bosses I have ever had. So coaching conversations is number one. Then recognising individual differences. And I know this is quite hard. It's really hard to recognise and you want to treat people equally. You want to treat people fairly, but you also need to recognise that people are different. They have different needs. And sometimes you do need to treat people differently in order to still remain treating people equally, essentially having regular one on ones. And I think the context of this was that when you have feedback, you're not waiting till the end of your review. You're not waiting till the quarterly check in, but you're actually catching up with people on a regular basis, sharing what's going on for you, providing feedback to them in real time in the moment feedback so they know what's working well, that they have really clear expectations. The next one then is about being present. So actually just being there in the moment with people, listening to what it is that they have to say rather than waiting to respond or thinking about what's coming up next, being really present with people in the moment. Then on to recognition and the importance of being really specific when you're recognising people. So what contribution have they made very specifically to the organisation's objectives, to the team objectives, to the department, whatever it might be, what unique contribution is that individual making? Then on to reflective practice. And there's a couple of points around this that I wanted to highlight. And it's thinking for yourself, how did I get here and what journey have I been on and what skills have led me to get where it is I, that I am today? But then also recognition that being a leader can have a steep learning curve. So recognition of that. And then the other aspect is holding up a mirror to your team. So holding up a mirror for them to recognize how far they have come, you know, what challenges they've overcome in that time, what skills were required in order to overcome those challenges. And then looking forward into the future, what challenges are upcoming and what skills can they utilize or can they learn in order to overcome those challenges? The next one then is about prioritization. And I heard something recently that that really resonated with me. And it's the fact that the term priorities is a relatively new term. So prior to that, it was only a singular form. It was only priority because you have one priority. If you have more than one, then it's no longer a priority. So really getting clear on what what the number one priority is to help people to focus on what work needs to be done. If you have problems with that, you can get support from people higher up to help you to to prioritise what really needs to be focused on, essentially. Then having a curious mindset. And for me, this is always being open to learning and going in to conversations with curiosity and asking questions or how could I have supported more? How could I have done things differently rather than blame, rather than fear, rather than, you know, and one thing that I liked from our conversation was this, you know, when you're curious, then you 
you help to overcome the strong emotions that maybe you're feeling or, or getting triggered by. Another aspect then is recognizing unconscious bias. So are there people in your team who maybe you don't realize are having a harder time than you think? So just being open to that fact prioritizing personal development and finding multiple ways to learn. So are you prioritizing your own personal development? Are you carving out time every week to put yourself first and to really focus on yourself and your own development? And then the last one is about acknowledging feelings of isolation. And I think one thing to do that is to recognize that that's something you're feeling and then to try and connect with other people, whether they're in the organization, if it's part of an industry group, other people in different organizations, other people at similar levels to you that you can connect with and you can talk about what's going on for you and sometimes I think if we encounter challenges we feel like we're the only person but finding other people to connect with and to talk about our challenges with even if it's not within the organization it could be a coach it could be a mentor or just simply a friend from a you know from a different business that you feel safe talking to about these things just having that type of approach I think is really important for combating those feelings of isolation which can lead to a great sense of loneliness as well and that is it for this week's episode of the Happier at Work podcast I really hope you enjoyed the episode today I would love for you to get involved in the conversation as I mentioned all of my links can be found on happieratwork.ie and I look forward to continuing the conversation with you That was another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. And if you've made it this far, well done you. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to today's episode. If you did enjoy it, please consider leaving a rating, a review or share it with a friend. I would love for you to get involved in the conversation. And also, if you'd like to know more about how I can help you or your business, head on over to happieratwork.ie.